Hello, and thanks so much for joining us on today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, a podcast for business owners to give you the confidence to embrace your numbers and to help you put simple practices in place to make your business financial life easier. We are here to support you as your business grows and as you become financially fit. I am your host, Stacey Price, founder and owner of Healthy Business Finances. And yes, I am a totally self-confessed numbers nerd, loud and proud, an accountant, a business owner, and someone who believes that education is the best form of self-defense. So let's do this and get stuck into today's episode. I hope you love it. Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast, the podcast to help business owners overcome their financial fears. Today, we are talking to Nicola Dorr from Arcane Agency, marketing professional and business trainer. Basically, she is your marketing secret weapon, and hell yes, who doesn't need that in their business life? Today, we are chatting all things business leap, setting boundaries, and I'm going to have to side with Nicola here and say this is definitely a work in progress for me too to undertaking a full rebrand and jumping into a commercial lease as the business expands. We have a mixture of risk-taking, trusting your gut, getting over some speed humps along the way to come full circle in business. Nicola, thanks so much for joining us on today's podcast. And before we start talking about where you are now in business after you did your rebrand and and took on a lease for your marketing agency, I would love for you to share a little bit about your marketing superpowers and what it is you do for your clients. Thank you, Stacey. I guess for us, we're a little bit different to a lot of other marketing agencies in that we kind of become part of the team. So instead of I guess, being on the outside and just coming in when required. We're kind of part of the team. We participate in strategy, whether that be marketing or overall business goals. And then we really like to empower our clients to be able to do things for themselves or to at least be able to understand what they're reading from an analytics point of view and that sort of thing. So we also do some training with them. Perfect. So when we look back to the first time that you did start up, your business. What was that thought process like? And how did you go from, I guess, your corporate role, which you were in beforehand, to being a business owner? Yeah. So for me, I have always loved the work that I've done. But when I had my first son, it wasn't a corporate lifestyle, wasn't really going to work for our family. I had to travel a lot and work long hours and that sort of stuff, which just doesn't work with a newborn. So I'd always wanted to have my own business, but was too scared to take that leap as a lot of people are. So I was kind of pushed into it, which was really good because it meant that I had a bit of space to make it work and to work out exactly what I wanted to do because I was on maternity leave. But also, I guess I had to make it work because otherwise I was going to have to go back into a really inflexible workplace. And can we just touch on the fact that you said that you always knew you wanted to run your own business? How did you know that? Because when I think back to when I started, I had no idea what even a small business was. Like I knew that people had businesses, obviously, because I was in the finance space, but it never occurred to me that I could be one of those people. Were you surrounded by people that had run a business and that's what kind of encouraged you to go down that route? Or what made you think that could be you? Well, my dad had his own business. So I guess I kind of grew up with a dad who went to work during the day and then was sitting at home on the couch doing his bookwork in the evenings. So 
I sort of had that in the back of my mind, I guess, but I always just loved the idea of the flexibility, which we all know now that we are business owners, that we don't really have as much of that as what we think we will. <laughs> no, that's a, that's a fiction. That's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's part of the dream. And I'm not sure what it was. It was just always this constant nagging in the back of my head of I just really yeah, want to work for myself one day and create a business that I really love, but that also helps other businesses as well. Yeah. So when you did start your business, we like to talk about a scale of where people are on the numbers don't scare me scale. So quite often we will talk to startups and they're quite petrified of numbers. So they tend to ignore it because it's not their jam and and they'd rather be doing creative things or whatever their business is. But we also have people that do come from a finance background, which I believe you did have a bit of a finance background in some of your roles. But how did you feel about now being the person that had to deal with the finances in your business? I wasn't so much scared of the numbers, but I just completely ignored them, pretended that they didn't need to happen. I was terrible at setting pricing and working out what my value was. I'd always been charged out at certain rates, but for me, I was like, oh, there's no way I could charge that to a small business. And then thankfully, I came across you. And I know we spent a lot of time, I think it probably would have been, I'd been in business around about 12 months or nearly 12 months when I started doing those sessions with you, which yeah, were just invaluable with working out what my time was actually worth and building in all that incidental stuff like emails and phone calls and that sort of thing that I hadn't even considered when I first started out. I was like, oh yeah, I'll just charge the salary rate. It'll be fine. And then you showed me how unprofitable that actually was. (laughs) (laughs) I sound like such a bitch, but... um, No, it was the best thing that ever happened. (laughs) And I think that's, you know, part of that dream when we think about flexibility of business owners and we've got all this time and we think, you know, if I work from nine till five, I've got you know, six solid hours a day that I can charge myself to clients. And I think as we grow in our business, we realize of that six hours, probably half of that is non-chargeable. It's admin, it's email, it's phone calls, it's researching, it's, you know, finding something and thinking, oh no, that's not actually the right fit. We need to go back and find something else. So when we first think we've got all this time we can charge out, when we start to drill down on how much time we actually can charge out, the rate drastically changes as to what we need it to be to work. (laughs) Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) So as things have grown in your business and, you know, we've done a rebrand, which we will touch on shortly, but how did you pinpoint when you were starting to become successful? And we don't necessarily refer to success as a dollar value. That's certainly one aspect that some people think about, but sometimes it's more about having a team. It could have been when you did the rebrand. It could have been when you took on the commercial lease. But at what point in time did you think, holy heck, this is, this is actually going really well and I'm really happy with where I'm at? Yeah, I think... Probably initially it was when I started getting referrals from other businesses or from people that had heard that I did marketing and, you know, had recommended me to people looking for a marketer. I think that made me feel like I was a little bit more legit and I had something to offer. And then the rebrand was definitely the biggest, I guess, growth for me because I'd gone from just being me into actually having a brand and being a big 
person, I guess, a grown up and having a real business. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny when we start out as sole traders or on our own. At some stages, we never think that will change and it doesn't necessarily have to change. But it's funny how we associate that we grow up in business. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And it was five years down the track and I probably initially had been making more money before I did the rebrand because I didn't have the lease and I didn't have to pay staffing fees and that sort of thing. Whereas now... I guess yeah, the income is just spread a lot differently to what it was back in the sole trader days, but I certainly wouldn't change that. Can we talk about that rebrand for a minute? Because I remember talking to you way back when you were thinking about rebranding. That must have been a huge decision, not just on a financial level, but also on a brand, a business, an emotional level to kind of steer away from the business that was essentially in your individual name to more of an agency type feel. So how did you go about making that decision? Yeah, it was a really hard decision. And I think I backflipped for about 12 months on which way I wanted to go. But I started working with another business that helped me with the actual rebrand because I just worked out I was too close to it and could not make any decisions. So I was paralyzed. For me, I always had it was actually 2020, which is when my two kids would be at school at the same place at the same time was going to be the year that I guess I decided what I was going to do with the business. And it did come a year earlier for me, I think just because of the timing happened to work better that way. But yeah, it was a really, really big decision. And you know, I also was really cautious of having that agency name because I didn't want to become a sterile kind of agency. And, you know, there's a lot of agencies out there that are amazing, but there's also a lot of really, and I say wanky on the phone. We can say whatever we like. (laughs) Yeah, like just, you know, that agency name almost started getting that used car salesman reputation. And so I really struggled with it. But then I realized I had the opportunity to make it different and to actually show people what an agency really could be rather than the stereotypical used car salesman type agency. Yes. Nobody wants that stigma attached (laughs) to their business. And definitely that you've created an amazing brand. and And I still remember a conversation we had and you were throwing out some business names to me, of all people, the most uncreative person in the world. And I'm thinking, gosh, I hope she doesn't take my advice too seriously because it's probably what not to call your agency if you need advice from me. But I'm so thrilled that you went through that because I think the output has drastically changed, I guess, the direction of your business. Yes. Um, So what did your team look like when you started your business? And this is way back before the rebrand. And how does that compare to now? So initially it was always just me. So I just kind of did all of the things. (laughs) And now... I still struggle a little bit with delegating, but I am getting better. And now I have Claire, who I'd known for a very long time, working on a lot of clients with me. So she does a lot of the content creation and social media management, which allows me to do more of that strategy 
type of stuff that I prefer. And then I also have a couple of contractors that come in at different times for various projects and work quite closely with a couple of other agencies, which are more sort of around design agencies. And that's a thing to try and, I guess, create that one-stop shop for our clients without having to have the huge overheads of heaps and heaps of staff. Another hurdle to manage some of the time when you have so many fingers, I guess, in the pie, it's just you end up becoming a manager and, and you lose the fact that you don't have time to really do any real work. Exactly. And I love working with the client. So I never wanted to be in that position where I spend all my time on you know, the admin side and the, and the people management because, yeah, it just takes you away from working on the stuff that you started your business for in the first place. Exactly. And what did your family and friends think about when you started your business and as it grew and you did a rebrand and, and you got your lease and things, you know, started going crazy? Did you have that support network on the personal side as well as the business side? Yeah, I did. I was really lucky. My husband's always been really supportive of my business and he did allow me the time and space to grow it and then was really supportive when I took on the lease. If anything, he was the one who pushed me to sign it where I was still kind of frozen in fear of what if I can't pay my bills. So yeah, he's always been really supportive my mum and dad have always been very supportive of it. My dad thought I was a little bit crazy given the, <laughs> given his experience of the amount of hours he works, but very, you know, supportive as well. And my friends, obviously some of them think that I'm crazy, particularly when, you know, I've got to take my laptop away everywhere that I go or, <laughs> you know, that I'm working at ridiculous hours while they're not. But, you know, they're really proud of what I do and and quite supportive. So yeah, I think I've been really lucky compared to some people who really have to push to be able to do what they love. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's great to have support in the business space because obviously those people can understand why we take our laptops everywhere and why we check our emails and social media 26 million times a day. But (laughs) I I think we need that balance. We need that balance of people who, hey, they don't probably get it to kind of reel us in at times and go, maybe you need to just, you know, take a chill pill every now and then as well. Otherwise we just get work 24-7. Definitely. You definitely need those people that seriously, you're not saving lives. You can have, you know, an extra hour by the pool when you're on holiday. <laughs> oh, yes. Not sure when our next holiday will be. And given today, we're recording this podcast in September, which is quite uncanny because my staff member has just messaged me to say it's snowing at her house um, and she lives about two minutes away from me and I thought, gee, that's a perfect day to record a podcast. Oh, it's ridiculous. Fingers crossed the tech gods are on our side today. But now that business is kind of humming along and you're in the zone and things are going smoothly and you've got that team, can you pinpoint anything that has helped you grow the business to where it is now? So I still go back to those early days where I had the sessions with you and I still, and I use it to this day, but I still remember a conversation that we had around, you know, what your non-negotiable expenses are and also, you know, what you have to pay like taxes and leases and all that sort of stuff. And I remember the spreadsheet that you set me up, which had all of the business expenses that had to be paid every month. Then there was like the subscriptions that I could get away with if I didn't have the cash flow for it. And then there was my personal non-negotiables like getting my hair done and that kind of thing. And like I just remember every month looking at that list and looking at that dollar figure 
And it really did push me to, I guess, make sure that I was always earning that amount because I didn't want to have to sacrifice the things on that list. I know also there was the other sheet that had the income levels and how many hours it would take me to do certain tasks and, you know, what the dollar figure of that would be. And then, you know, working out how many of those packages I needed to sell every month to be able to create that lifestyle that I wanted from the business. And even though in the early days, it was literally going and getting a coffee and having a salted caramel brownie on a Thursday. I know, so good and I really miss them. (laughs) (laughs) But that, you know, that was what I guess got me out of bed every morning because I was just thinking, okay, so if I do this, then I can have my coffee and, you know, salted caramel brownie. And even now to this day, I still rely on that spreadsheet, even though it's not, you know, the fancy balance sheet or profit and loss or anything like that. It's still there in the background of if I think, oh, gee, I don't feel like this is going to be a good month. I can always go back to it and say, all right, so I'm just going to sell a couple of these packages and then I'm back on track. And to be honest, we still use that spreadsheet ourselves to this day as well. And we obviously use it for clients as well. But what I love about that theory is you're not only factoring the business side of things, you're factoring in what you want the business to provide for you outside the business, which a lot of people don't factor in. You know, they see their business makes a certain amount of money and they think that that will be enough for all of those personal things, whether it's hairdressers, whether it's gym memberships, whether it's cars, Netflix, all those things you want to have, holidays in your personal life. You need to work out what they are. If the business is not providing enough to cover those and you do need to sacrifice something, that list is usually the first thing that gets eliminated. Yeah. And I think as well, it's always that constant reminder that, you know, when you're really stressed and overworked, that it's actually worthwhile doing. And for me, I always started the business for flexibility and to be able to do things. And then I get through these periods where I'm like, there is no flexibility here. I actually have created my own corporate jungle and I have to make changes. And it's always that list that helps me make those changes because I'm like, hang on a second. This is what I wanted my business for. This is the hours I wanted to be working. This is the income I wanted. You know, what have I done wrong in this last few weeks that have kind of tipped it the wrong way? Exactly. If you can see, I guess, if you're not going to achieve those things, it almost makes you go, no, hang on. I really want that holiday. I really want that whatever it is. It makes you kind of refocus a bit because to be honest, I'm not going to give up my hairdresser. I'm not going to give up my holiday. Mm-hmm. And I'm, <laughs> the gym membership might go, but I'm, not, <laughs> yeah. I'm certainly not going to give up the hairdresser and the holiday. And I know, you know, I've got a couple of other things. My, my Hawthorne membership certainly not going to yeah. give that one up. Um, you although might I, next year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe ask me in another 12 months. But, yeah. you know, those things are important. And I totally agree. You need to remember why you started. And and if we did just want to work for someone else and have money in the account every month without thinking, we would go and get a job for someone else. So I think that's really important to kind of just keep that always at the forefront of your mind. Obviously, there's a lot of months which don't go to plan and that's perfectly okay, but we need to get back on track. So speaking of getting back on track, there must have been some big financial decisions, probably I'm guessing around the lease for the commercial premises where you operate from now. How did you go coping with making those decisions? And, you know, what was the process like going down that route for the first time? Yes. So 
that was probably one of the scariest decisions that I've made. You know, I did lose a fair bit of sleep over that because it was, to me, it felt like such a huge commitment. And it was actually my husband who sat me down. He's like, this is what the annual cost is going to be for this place. Like, it's actually not as bad as what you think it's going to be. You've got the cash there that would actually cover it if you really needed to. So what's the worst thing that's going to happen that it comes out of, you know, it just comes out of the account and for a month that you're slow or or whatever. And it actually, once I signed that lease, it was amazing the amount of new clients that I got just based on the fact that I had a sign. You know, people could see my branding when they walked past and, yeah, it just made it seem like I was a legitimate business that wasn't going anywhere. So I had all these new opportunities that sort of came to me as a result. So now I see my lease more as my marketing dollars because I don't have to do anything for it. And I actually get walk-in traffic now asking for proposals or wanting training or that sort of thing. So, And then so how did you find that space? Like, were you actively looking in the thought that, you know, maybe in the next three, six months, I'll be ready? Or did it kind of just jump out at you one day? Like, how did you know it was there? <laughs> it was quite strange, actually, because I hadn't been looking. It was in my five-year plan to have my own office. So, it was not on the radar, really. And then a friend of mine was actually looking for a studio space. And so, I'd be on commercial real estate and just like be sending her links. Oh, I found this space. This looks really nice and sending it through to her. And then I've seen this one and I was like, oh, that would work so well for what I want. But I was like, oh, it's not the right time. So I forgot about it. And then I went back and, you know, was trawling through for her and I saw it again and kept seeing it and thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and take a look at it. And I went through and it looked like someone had died in there. There was like these suspect stains on the carpet. The walls were disgusting. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I know why this one's for <laughs> And then, yeah, I don't know. I just kept thinking about it and, you know, we talked about it a fair bit at home and I'd mentioned it to a couple of friends and then I was like, actually, I'm just going to do it. And... Yeah, so I spent a lot of time before moving in, obviously stripping the walls back and pulling up the carpet and putting new carpet down, that sort of thing. And we did the majority of it ourselves with like us and the kids. And then, you know, a couple of friends would come on in the nighttime and we'd be painting the walls and having a wine. And yeah, it was actually a really nice time to just make it feel the way we wanted it to. I'm going to submit your application to the next series of The Block. Oh, gosh, no. You don't want to see my painting skills. (laughs) And I don't think they allow them to drink wine while they're renovating on the block. I know. (laughs) That that was when I did my best work. (laughs) So when you took on that lease, obviously it was a big financial commitment, even though, you know, you'd sat down and worked out what the cost was and, you know, you perhaps were getting more clients. Did you have any systems that helped you make sure that you had the money to pay the rent or at least helped alleviate some of the stress around having the money there ready to pay the rent? Because I'm assuming that usually rent is is one of the biggest costs in a business. From what I've learned with you in those early days where I had that separate account, which was all of the things that had to be paid, they would get put into that account. So there was always money in there. And I used to try and work sort of a month in advance with that. So there was always sort of money sitting in there. And when I signed the lease, 
I did actually put across the first year's worth of rent into that account because I was so worried about paying it. And I don't know why now because every month I just pay it and it's not a big deal at all. And it's actually not that expensive compared to most other commercial <laughs> leases. But at the time, it was you know a big deal. So yeah, I actually made sure that the money was sitting there. I knew that I could cover all of my other expenses. So it was just making sure that I had that money sitting there as well. And you know, again, those habits that I made in those early days with you has just paid off and, you know, made it so that even at the moment going through COVID, you know, that I can still pay all my bills and that sort of thing. And I'm not as financially stressed as what I could have been if I hadn't have had those systems in place. Yeah, beautiful. So there must have been some moments in business though, where you potentially thought, financially, what the hell have I got myself in for? You know, it's just not (laughs) worth it. Potentially working a lot of hours, which I'm sure you still do. But we've all gone through those moments where we just think, holy shit, I just want to throw it all in and I want to get a nine to five job and just sign me up. Yes. Have you had (laughs) those moments? Please tell me yes. (laughs) Yes, definitely. And I still occasionally have those moments, not as many as I used to. You know, I remember at one stage, It was when the kids were really little and I had no daycare or anything. So I'd be with them during the day trying to work around their naps. And I was one of these lucky people whose children didn't like to nap. So, you know, trying to work around them and then sitting up till all hours of the morning. Yeah, basically trying to do my work and then starting the day at, you know, 5am when my eldest would wake because he loves waking up early. And I remember sitting there, I think it was about four o'clock in the morning. I was like, I'm going to be up again in no time. And I haven't even been to bed yet. I should actually just do night fill at the supermarket and I would probably be earning the same amount of money. (laughs) Oh gosh. And I'm not laughing at your situation. I'm laughing probably because me and everyone listening can relate. And we're probably all listening and nodding because I know I am. (laughs) And it, it was just like one of those moments I'm like, oh, I have hit rock bottom. And, you know, the next day I remember starting to look through Seek and thinking, all right, what can I do? What can I do? And then I think it must have been like a random email from a client who, you know, was just really thankful of something that I'd done. And I was like, oh, you know what? It's actually not that bad. I can get through this. And yeah. And then you go through really good periods where you absolutely love it. So yeah. Some of that comes down to setting boundaries, which I'm going to put my hand up and admit that I totally usually suck at. And sometimes we don't know that we haven't even set the boundary until we're Mm -hmm. sitting there at four o'clock in the morning and thinking, when the hell did I decide I would work till four in the morning to get this done? Like this was never on my reasons to start a business. Yeah. So have you got better at setting those boundaries as times have gone on? Look, I am getting better. I'm also a terrible boundaries person. I did find having the office helped a little bit with boundaries because I knew that if I was in a weak moment where I knew I shouldn't be working after hours, but I wouldn't be able to help myself, I could leave my laptop in the office and then it was too much effort to actually go back and get it. So I kind of forced myself that way. And I think the other thing for me was always like, I always had that thing of what happens if I don't fulfill it and then, you know, I lose the client or something like that. So I would always be as soon as something is requested, I have to just do it regardless of whether 
it was at four in the morning or, you know, at two in the afternoon when my actual work day was. So over time, I have got a little bit better with either saying no or saying, look, I just can't do it today, but I'll have it to you by the end of the week. And it's funny how people actually are really understanding and they're fine. They're like, oh, even the week after is fine. It's not urgent. When you start putting those boundaries in place, you sort of, I guess, create those own expectations in your own head that nobody else actually has. It's so true because I think we always fear the worst. And we're like, if I say no, they're not going to come back. They're not going to want to work with me. They're not going to tell anyone else about me. They're going to say horrible things about me. And (laughs) my mind just goes on this whirlwind and, you know, I've created my own little fairy tale that has a terrible ending. And before you know it, I'm like, oh, can we actually do it on Monday? And they're like, yeah, no worries. And I'm like, gosh, that was like a two second conversation. But in my mind, you know, you go down that rabbit hole and... Oh, yeah. And when you're not getting any sleep because you are overworked, that rabbit hole is just that bit deeper and it's really hard to actually make sense of reality. Absolutely. So let's think about a positive now for a minute and let's think about what the next 12 months look like for Arcane Agency. And can you give us any snippets about perhaps what the next 12 months look look like for you? Yeah, so for us, you know, we've taken quite a few positives out of COVID and the, the situation because we've been able to, I guess, help the businesses we work with in ways that we hadn't done before. So being able to, I guess, help them with their actual overall strategy. And I hate the word pivot, but, you know, it is basically what a lot of our clients had to do. So to be able to be part of that creative process of changing products and services or modifying them or moving businesses online, We've really, really loved that process. And I think for us, we will probably do a lot more of that into the future as businesses, you know, they've become a lot more confident with doing the things they've always wanted to do, but hadn't tried it because it was too risky or they were scared to do it. I think COVID has kind of pushed businesses to try things they hadn't tried before because there was kind of nothing to lose. So to be part of that process has been really good. And the other thing that we have been doing a lot more of is training and doing that one-on-one work with people to help them to upskill and even, I guess, helping people that have lost their jobs or been made redundant to kind of turn their skills into their own businesses and to let them know that, no, they're not crazy. They can actually do this. Yes, it's going to be tough, but it's worth it if you stick to it kind of thing. If we're going to take something out of COVID as a positive, I think it's giving businesses the confidence that they just need to try something and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, that's okay. Mm. We've tried it. We can tick it off. We can try the next thing. Whereas I think pre-COVID, it probably would have taken businesses six months to even make the decisions they're making now and having to implement really quickly. So I kind of see that as a positive and I know a lot of business owners won't be seeing many positives at the moment. So I think we need to find those really small positives to kind of keep us, keep us alive and yeah. keep us going in, you know, in whatever the next six months will bring. Exactly. And just to sit back, I think, you know, in January next year for businesses to sit back and be like, wow, we actually got through that. And yes, it was really hard, but we did it. And we've got all these new products or services that we actually love doing And we don't have to go back to the way things were before that wasn't working properly for us. Yeah. I would love for you to share with us like a funny kind of snippet or a story or an insight into business life and perhaps something that hasn't gone to plan 
around finances or around the numbers side of things that kind of came from left field? Well, it's funnier now. It wasn't funny at the time. It was around my rent. So when COVID first hit, a lot of the businesses I worked for had their rents either cut in half or, or put on pause or that sort of thing. And I got an invoice from my landlord, which was a reduced invoice. And I thought, oh, oh wow, I didn't even have to ask. That's great. In the back of my mind, I was like, well, there's no real clear picture as to whether this has to be paid back eventually or what happens. So thankfully I had still kept putting money aside. And then the next month passed and I didn't actually get a rent invoice. I was like, oh, that's strange. That hasn't come through. But I didn't think anything of it. And then the next month came and I still didn't get an invoice. So by this stage, I think I was two and a half months where I hadn't paid rent. And I'd sent an email through to the property manager but hadn't actually heard back. And I was like, oh, it must just be what they're doing. They must be just, you know, helping all of, you know. It's so so nice and, you know, it's lovely. And then anyway, the third month came around. I still hadn't got one. By this stage, I was getting a bit uneasy because things were starting. It was kind of the end of ISO 1 and things were starting to go to normal. And I know a few of my clients had started paying full rent again and, I was like, all right, I'm going to actually speak to somebody else at the, at the real estate agent. They're like, oh, yeah, you're a long way in arrears. And I was like, what? Goodness. <laughs> said, no, 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 I haven't actually had an invoice. And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. I just looked and, yeah, no, you've been missed in the system. But, no, you have to pay all this. this oh, my rent. God. And I was just, uh, I felt sick. I was like, oh, my God. But thankfully, I had been putting that money aside thinking it's too good to be true. Eventually, like even if it's 12 months down the track, eventually we're going to have to pay this rent back. So thankfully, I had put a system in place, thank you to you. But yeah, at the time, I was just ill. I was like, oh my God, I am so far behind in my rent. I can't believe this. You know it was like what? my worst nightmare had come true. Oh, it gives me anxiety just thinking about it because we get a lot of questions, you know, across the past six months about rent and what the obligations mm. are. And I think it's very difficult for some business owners to understand that that will come back eventually. It's generally not a free period. It's a cash flow delay, I guess you could call it. And it's very concerning for those that, that don't have systems in place like you to manage that in six months or, or 12 months time when suddenly they do get, you know, imagine getting a 12 month rent invoice and not realizing you had to pay it. Like that could oh, be I know. for businesses. So I'm super thankful that the story has a happy ending. Um, <laughs> <laughs> halfway through, I was like, <gasps> like, breathe, breathe. It's okay. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I know we've taken up a lot of your time today and I am so thankful, but I really just want to discuss, I guess the whole concept of our podcast is, is everyone's on a journey to becoming financially fit and it means different things to different people. So could you give us an idea of what becoming financially fit means to you and your business? So for me, it's always been around having systems in place and being able to always have the cash flow within my business to pay my monthly expenses. So early days, I definitely did not have that, but I didn't have a lot of overheads at that stage either. And even when I first started working with you, I didn't have 
like the overheads that actually warranted the system that we put in place. But I think it was just building that muscle and creating that automatic process that it came naturally when I did actually need it down the track. Nicola, I can't thank you enough for being a fabulous guest on today's podcast. And I still remember that initial session we had. And what most people want to know is I was juggling a couple of different clients at the time and I could only do it during my lunch break at an on-site client. I literally sat in the park with my laptop while we did our first <laughs> session. But at the time, that's just what needed to happen. So it's so exciting to see the rebrand come to life. Although I swear it feels like yesterday and nowhere near two years ago already. I love that you have carried with you that core of the basics in terms of what do you want to get out of your business along the way and and trusting your gut in those big decisions about the rebrand and the lease. So I can't wait to see what the next adventure is for Arcane Agency. Thank you. I certainly couldn't have done it without you, that's for sure. Oh, bless. Thanks so much, Nicola. I hope you've loved listening to today's episode of the Becoming Financially Fit podcast. We are all at different stages in our business life, at different levels in our money confidence, and we all have different needs. However, our goals are all along the same path. To learn, to grow, and to succeed in our journey of becoming financially fit. For more tips and advice, you can follow our journey on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Healthy Business Finances, or you can also search all episodes of our podcast at www.becomingfinanciallyfit.com.au. 